Hi, this is Jeff Dickey Chasens, and you're sadly listening to the Sassholes with Jamie and Pete. Welcome to Sassholes with decades of making interesting decisions. Jamie and Pete are dedicated to helping aspiring sales leaders accelerate revenues with their no BS approach and tactics. Our show is supported by listeners and viewers just like you. We'd like to thank the Man Farm Winalytics, Trent S. and Aaron J. for their continued support. Demandfarm.com, unlock key account growth, smart software to bring account planning and relationship intelligence into your CRM, making key account management practice data-driven, predictable, and scalable. Go to Demandfarm.com, ask for Iron Man. Hey, check out Brent Keltner's Revenue Acceleration Playbook Masterclass at Winalytics.com. In eight weeks, help your sales and go-to-market team start to build the mindset and skills needed to succeed in a new buyer environment. Sign your team up for the Masterclass today at Winalytics.com. If you'd like to help us out to improve the quality of our content, go to Patreon.com slash Sassholes. It's time for shout-outs. Big congrats to give out Sammy Design. New gig, major account executive at Zoom. Way to go, Sammy D. I'd like to congratulate Tyler Hurley, four years at Orion Talent. Deborah Lehman, two years at Focus Services. John Legatuda, one year at Paychex. George Puig, starting a new gig as Chief Commercial Officer at Continuum Global Solutions. Angela... Sika, 18 years at Career Builder. What's going on, old school? Mike Latoria, 19 years at Village of Itasca. Sherry Levitin, starting a new gig as early stage investor at Ven Gresso. Nicole Lanahas, one year at Career Builder. Pat Fidekane, three years at ADP. Julie Sanchefer Dillon, one year at Knox Financial. Time for some happy birthdays. Lindsay Stinson, Francisco Ashiniki, Sean White, Jackson Carroll, Kathy Piragova, Mark Sizemore, Kim Hale, Brian Lazar, Daniel Biss, Brendan Tolson, Vanessa McConkie, and Ray Nutter. Way to have another spin around the globe, my friends. So how long have you been doing your podcast? I started my podcast first week of December in 2021. So really not that long. Just past COVID, you're like, huh? Well, you know, it's something I've been thinking about for a long time. And Chad Soash kept bugging me. Oh, you should start, <laughs> you know, you should start your podcast. You should start your podcast. And I finally thought, okay. And then uh, Stephen was like, yeah, yeah, you know, let me, let me be on it. You know, I can be, you know, like uh, Ed McMahon. <laughs> right, 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 right. I thought, okay, well, you just closed the deal, you know? So that's when we got started on it. So, so how long do you know Chad? Uh, Chad and Cheese, Joel from the old Cheesehead days. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because when so, the shit always hit the fan, uh, Joel, you know, he, he would slither around in the mud and get all that in- information, you know. I, yeah, I, I don't know how he knew some of the stuff he knew. I used yeah. to really enjoy, you know, reading his blog. Um, so I met Chad when he was working, I believe, at Direct Employers. And um, and I, I can't remember why I met him. I just did. And uh, Joel, you know, I just knew from his, his blog and, and then... I was at a conference early on, probably back in when I started consulting back in 2010 or something. And this guy walks up, he says, the job board doctor. And I looked and I was like, you must be cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and it went on from there. So, uh, so I've, known, I've known both of them for a long time. We've done a couple of shows with those guys on and, it definitely wasn't the most listened to podcast that we've we've done. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Perhaps perhaps the most R rated, right? <laughs> yeah, you know it was because you know I had a problem with uh, Joel, and he knows it. You know we we went back and forth because 
you know, we've had a couple layoffs. I think it was 2007 or something. He broke mm-hmm. it on his site. I didn't even have a chance to tell my people. And uh, oh. I, I, I said, you, you suck, man. And uh, we, we've gotten over it uh, since, Jeff. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're okay. So if you just got going with your podcast a couple years ago, talk to me about, you know, your, your, your blog. That's been going on. God, yeah. ever. When, when did that start? Well, so, I mean, this actually gets into the history of how I got in the industry. Um, yeah. So I, I actually started out in the industry in 97. So I was employee number nine at Dice. And um, the very first marketing and sales director they ever had, they didn't really understand the concept of either one. They just had a salespeople and they had this guy that was a intern that was running all their marketing and they were spending a lot of money on marketing, you know, even yeah. at that point they were generating six, $7 million a year. And, and I remember going in and talking to the owner, Lloyd Lynn, and I talked to him for about 20 minutes. He said, okay, you're hired. And I was like, have you talked to anyone else? He said, no, <laughs> I said, you should talk to someone else before you hire me. He's like, no, no, you're the guy. I want to hire you. <laughs> I literally- well, that's pretty, I didn't know that because I mean I knew you were in Iowa. Dice is in Iowa. I never put the two together. Like, yep. how, how did Dice even start? If you're number nine, well, so Dice started out actually in 1990 as a bulletin board. So Lloyd and his partner Diane were both um, IT contractors, and they came up with the you know the bright idea of having a bulletin board with contracting jobs on it, and they had. DICE actually stood for uh, data, interchange, communication, something else, something. Yeah. I can't even remember it all. But, yeah, right, right, right. Uh, no, one, no, one, no one said that. They just said DICE. And uh, they ran it as a bulletin board. And Lloyd was, and they were out in California. And Lloyd was originally from Iowa. And he got a hankering to move back to Iowa. And so they moved back to Iowa, kept running the bulletin board. And literally the year before I came, they had decided to move it to the web. And they moved the site to the web. It was immediately, I mean, it was already popular, became very popular on the web. And just to give you an idea of the growth curve, when I started there, like I said, I was making about six, seven million dollars a year. When I left three and a half years later, it was making about 70 million dollars a year. So, I mean, it was, it was pretty insane. Um, and they, you know, the, the, and, he, and, and, the, and during that time period, he sold the business to a company uh, from New York called Earthway. It was one of the original companies that, you know, that went public in the initial tech boom. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you remember them or not. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I do. The only, yeah. Thing they, the only thing they ever bought, and, uh, you know, I was around for a lot of the purchases. The only thing they ever bought that made money was dice. And so Dice basically bankrolled everything else that Earthweb did other than their IPO. Well, uh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then eventually, you know, they, they went broke and went private and, you know, eventually came back and went public. Now, now Jeff, in, in those days, I mean, everybody was a generalist. Wasn't Dice, like, focusing on IT at the time? Weren't they the first ones or pretty yeah. much one of the first yeah, ones? Yeah, they, they were pretty much the first uh, niche board. And... Um, you know, it was a good time for IT. I mean, IT has been strong for many decades now, but that was one of the first real sort of growth periods for IT professionals. And, you know, they were at the right place at the right time. And, you know, interestingly enough, to this day, that they're still probably the dominant niche board for IT people. Go to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and which is kind of amazing when you think about how long they've maintained that position despite <laughs> the dumb things that they've done over the years. Uh, so that's so that's how I got into the industry. And, um, you know, I worked for some other job boards as well. But 2009, I, I got laid off and I was and I was just frustrated about working for the people. And I have I have a very long background before job boards. Uh, in publishing, I ran a publishing company and worked for a software company, et cetera. So I, I had this big skill set, and I, I started looking around. I was like, no one is helping job boards from a business mm-hmm. perspective. No one is out there doing that. And so I started pulling all these people that I know in the industry. They're like, that's a great idea. And I'm like, well, then why is no one else doing it? 
And they're like, I don't know, but you should do it. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, I don't know. Uh, but my wife, uh, bless her heart, said, yeah, you know, I trust you. And I hung out my shingle, and I've been incredibly busy ever since. I, You know, I've worked yeah. with probably close to 700 job boards around the world, you know. There's so many of them, and they all have problems. Yeah. So '97. Let me let's go back in uh, time. Uh, let me get the flux capacitor going here. <laughs> I think. I think. Uh, let's see. I got into Headhunter.net '99, and right before that, Career Mosaic was the 900-pound yeah. gorilla. <laughs> Jamie, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I had a computer problem. It yeah. Forced reset. Yeah. Hi, Jamie. It's, so, so we're going through like the nineties and two thousands. And I just want, you know, certain things happened along the way, mm-hmm. you know, like you had the newspapers and then the internet disrupted the newspapers, classified advertising. Yep. And then you had this thing called indeed come along and say, you know what guys, we'd love to help you out. Give us all your postings. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, We'll, we'll 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 help you grow, you know. We'll partner with you and we'll help you grow. And you know, it's it's it just cracks their business. I mean, to a certain degree. I mean, you kind of look at it and you you look at it. And I have the respect for them the same way I have a respect for rattlesnakes or something, you know, where they're yeah. just extremely efficient at what they do and they never hide it. I mean, I I, I predicted, you know, every. Every time they go into a market, you know, I talk to my clients and like, don't work with them because they're going to they're going to take your business and then they're going to turn around and they're going to push you out of business uh, after they've taken your customers. And, you know, I have all these UK clients that were, you know, why would they do that? You know, and then (laughs) two years later, oh, Jeff, oh, why are they doing this to me? I told you that this was going to happen. And, you know, the same thing's happening in the staffing industry in terms of the way they're they're going after that. And, they, you know, more power to them if they can keep finding. You know, Jeff, you're, you are like the Fauci of job boards, okay? You had to. <laughs> you had to. <laughs> sit that's that's a good thing. I don't know if you want to be. Uh... Well, no, I mean, let's diagnose this because he's a doctor, right? Yeah, yeah, doctor. Yeah, that's what they say. Doctor, yeah. you had this uh, disease called Indeed come through. And what they were really good at SEO, and they very good. How did, they were yeah, phenomenal. How did, that was their that was their secret sauce. Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing. I mean the job boards that were dominant at the time, including you know Career Builder, Monster, et cetera, et cetera, they were really focused on, and Dice uh, were really focused on branding themselves so that people would just go to their site because they knew it. You know, they'd seen the Monster ad, they'd seen whatever ad and and people would go you know and uh indeed was the first one to sort of look at what google had done to the ecosystem and said hey you know what we can take google's rules and we can jump past all those other people and you know and one day you wake up and if you type in tech jobs dice is on page two because everything on page one is indeed and people didn't understand that um, and, you know, and, and Indeed was very, very smart about how they marketed it. And, I, you know, I, I've always called them to a certain degree the crack cocaine of the job board world. You know, they, you know, we'll give you a little taste and then we'll get you hooked and then you'll get you really hooked and then we'll dump you. I, I think the real problem is the ATSs, right? The ATSs came in in 2008 big time when the Great Recession occurred. And then if you notice before that, almost all the applications occurred on a job board. And then about 50% of them moved to their own career site or their own job apply path through the ATS, which then opened the floodgates for Indeed to say, hey, why drive traffic to a job board that then drives traffic to your career site? We can just drive traffic to your career site. It's a compelling argument, but I do think the ATS is, is what fueled that conversion more so than anything else, because the differentiation was before that a job seeker can put their resume on career builder or monster and apply to multiple jobs at one time. But they indeed would just aggregate the search results 
Um, but they didn't have that ability. But if you look now, Indeed's basically a job board now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they've been, in my opinion, they've been a job board since about 2011. Yeah. Uh, they, they, you know, all they started dumping my clients um, off off their, uh, you know, from their, uh, you know, business uh, starting in 2009. And it really accelerated 2010, 2011. By 2011, 2012, it was very hard for a job board to really work with Indeed at all, um, if they wanted to. And because Indeed pretty much was saying, no, you know, we're not gonna work with you. Uh, we're, we compete with you. <laughs> oh, really, yeah. when did that happen? Yeah. So, you know, um, that happens in parallel on, in North America, that's what's going on. But in the meantime, they've moved to the UK. In the UK, they're like, no, we don't compete with you job boards. We'll be supplying you job boards with better traffic, et cetera, et cetera. And they, and I, as far as I've seen, in every, pretty much every market, they replicated that except certain markets where they got shut out because there was a dominant player that wouldn't play with them, like Australia. You know, Seek owned that market. They were smart. They looked at what was going on elsewhere and they just said, we're not going to play with you, Indeed. So Indeed's there, but they're not a play, you know, they're not a threat. They're, they're not, they don't really have much of a market compared to uh, Seek. So. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like the U.S. companies fueled their growth. <laughs> I mean, oh, totally, totally. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, what happened to them was their fault. And I mean, you know, Monster's credit, they woke up at a certain point and said, oh, no, you can't have our jobs anymore, but it was too late. And, you know, the market was too large and too diffuse. Even Monster saying, well, we're not going to play with you wasn't enough to stop them at that point. Uh-huh. Now, we've only talked about the classified ad part of it. You know, what about the uh, resume database? Like what? Because, I mean, the recruiter started this thing, right? So you had to, you had to have a, a place to go to to look up things. So you had the, you had the advertising part, and then you had the, the database part, which is bordering on software, right? Because this is revenue operations. You know, you have to, you have to fill your, your, your coffers with good, good staff. So... When did uh, the uh, the recruiters, you know, the shakers of the world, you know, how did they play a role in in all this? See, I brought up Shaker, good Chicago company, Carney, great guys. Joe's a great guy, loves me. Mm-hmm. When did when did the databases uh, start evolving and changing? When did Indeed get in, involved in that when they had the data? Well, so. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're sort of leaving, leaving out the other big disruptor of the mid-2000s, which is LinkedIn, right? So LinkedIn comes on, and they sort of essentially pioneer the idea of a public resume database, as opposed to what the job boards have been doing, which is we, you know, each of us have our own little resume database, and depending on what job board you're working with, you know, it's better than XYZ or not. Uh, LinkedIn starts, that, starts this thing with this public database, and the recruiters, for various reasons, you know, from my perspective, really went nuts over it uh, relatively quickly and were totally happy to put down $5,000, $10,000 for a seat to go after the LinkedIn database. Um, and that's, that sort of changed what was going on with the job boards in general because it used to be, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was like with the play, you know, with where you work, but with most of the companies I work with, resume database access would provide 30 to 40% of total revenues. Um, and that wasn't a sudden disappearance, but it was a slow disappearance. And nowadays, the boards that have that, those types of services, they have stuff that's sort of special that LinkedIn, you know, doesn't directly compete with. But I think about the time that, uh, or, uh, you know, the time leading up to when uh, Indeed was going to go and, and just say, we're a job board, you know, we're not, we're not doing uh, traditional aggregation. Um, they realized that they're going to have to fight LinkedIn. And that's where I think they really started, you know, I remember when they started pushing to get the resumes. Um, and Ironically, you know, the feedback I get from recruiters when I talk to people are that they don't think 
that database is particularly high quality. Um, I don't know. I'm not a recruiter. You know, I don't sit there yeah. and compare these products. I just, I just listen to people talk about them and they almost always say, oh yeah, you know, the tools and the quality of what's on on LinkedIn is much, much better than what you see on Indeed. So. What, whatever happened to Google Base, Jeff? I thought they Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I remember that. I'm like, ooh. It took me a number of years, but it may, it may but I, I eventually have gotten to the point where when Google launches something, I just sort of feel like there's a clock ticking and then they're going to throw it away, you know, yeah. for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, like Google base never really got much traction, but like, you know, one of the things that I think did get really good traction was Google hire their ATS. And I mean, they had, they had a lot of users and a lot of paying users. Um, but that was one of those cases where I think they killed it because of, of GDPR and, and what was going on in the EU. And they were going to, they knew they were going to get sued even more than they had been sued. And, and they were willing to just throw away this product. Um, Interesting. Well, they're not hurting for money. No, they're not hurting for money. So they can afford to throw away products. Um, I, well, when they came out and said it was going to be a free ATS, I'm like, huh. <laughs> yeah. That that could be interesting. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and it, I think it, and, the, and there was a whole lot of speculation about were they actually moving into the job board space when that happened? Um, because it was a, it makes total sense and they control the ecosystem. But I think, just like Facebook, time and time again, they've sort of stuck their finger in there and they pull it out, you know. And I think what they do now with the Google Jobs schema and the way they've sort of focused on just improving the search aspect of things and the alert aspect of things, I think that's probably as far as they'll ever go because they're just going to open themselves up to antitrust um, action if they, if they go further, you know. So... What do you think the next disruptor is going to be? Or have we covered them all, Jeff? Uh, well, I mean, we haven't talked about programmatic. Um, you know, so programmatic is, <laughs> well, programmatic is, is absolutely a disruption, but it cra I'm laughing because, um, you know, as far back as 2014, 2015, people were saying by the year 2020, all job ads will be programmatic. And I, when people say stuff like that, I, I just have to laugh because it reminds me so much of the social media wave, you know, where people are like, you know, by the year 2011, you know, there won't be job boards. We'll just get our jobs completely through social media, you know, and it's, it's the, you know, it's the, it's the cry of the deeply religious. That's <laughs> the way I think of it. You know, they've got religion. Jeff, what is programmatic job? search what what is, what does that mean for the kids that are coming out of school and they want to get their resumes uh, found what does that mean so all programmatic is is using uh, uh, computer pro, uh, programming software uh, software instructions to drive where a job ads going to appear so you know there was an intermediate intermediate period period where people uh, come people in the industry would uh, post jobs like you know I would post my job on dice and dice would say okay we're gonna cross post this job with three aggregators you know so like we're gonna cross the post it with indeed and beyond and, and some other aggregator what are those aggregators doing they're busy slamming it out in every place that you can imagine so it's a very uncontrolled posting so what does programmatic do? Well, programmatic has either the job board or the employer, whoever is posting the job, uh, you set up criteria and you say, you know, uh, this is the demographic I want to reach. This is how much I want to spend. This is how I, I'm willing to spend this much until this amount of time. Um, I want this to be in this particular geography only. I want to avoid these these this category of sites. I want to you know, provide extra juice to these. And it, it's all programmed in, sent out across all these different sites 
And because the software is doing it, it, it literally does it almost in real time, making decisions about your ads right here, your ads right here, we're paying this much, we're paying that much. So it all happens very fast. But when you, when you peel it back to the original level, you're essentially doing something very similar to what people used to do in, in real time. Uh, but, you know, people that are enthusiasts about programmatic would say this is much, much more efficient. And I say that as a caveat because programmatic, as far as I can tell, based on the data I've seen, is it's very good for people, companies that are doing high volume hiring. You know, a target. I'm op we're opening six stores in the next three months. We need 4,000 associates to work the registers. Here's a big chunk of money. Get it for us. And, you know, programmatic can be really good for that sort of thing. But, you know, so then, you know, let's say Sasshole says, you know, Pete says at Sasshole's, you know, we need to have another personality on our show. We need to hire them right away. You're not going to use programmatic. <laughs> you know? You're going to go to the place where they have podcast personalities with outrageous, you know, uh, things that they say, maybe, maybe Cheeseman's running a site like that now. I don't know. And, <laughs> yeah, the, and the rat bastard. <laughs> right, exactly. And then, and then you, and then you run, and then you run an ad on that place. And it's, it's probably going to be very efficient for you to find something. But it, it's almost, where do you want to invest time per, per hire? When you're, right. when you're looking for a one, onesie twosie, you're going to invest the time. When you're looking for 6,000, you can't invest that time. So you need you need something like programmatic to get that done because you just don't have the ability, nor does it make sense for you to be going to all these sites looking for you know five thousand people. That that that's just not going to happen. Right, right. That's and, why, and like LinkedIn, to me, LinkedIn's great for high end hiring, but it's mm -hmm. not great for low end. Like it's not efficient, in my opinion. I think, and it's and it's not good for things like uh, tech people. To be quite honest, I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're hiring tech people, LinkedIn is not a place that they congregate. Um, but like, people do because that's what they use. To, <laughs> LinkedIn really is. If you think about it, LinkedIn is really a uh, uh, a recruiting and uh, open recruiting and sales uh, networking uh, area. So people use it. Let's let's call it for what it's really worth. It's called an echo. It's called an echo chamber. People love to hear themselves oh, speak yeah. and put <laughs> and put memes in there. Oh yeah, it's 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 amazing to me how LinkedIn has changed over the time that I've been using it because you know I I don't know I've been using it since the late two thousands and you know certainly over the last five years it's felt more and more like Facebook. Yeah, you know, I, um, you know it's it's. That you know the the crying CEO that fired someone oh you know, or, and if I had a dollar for every post that starts out saying you know three years ago I was standing on the street you know with my thumb in my hand you know and and now I own a multi million dollar company and you know read on <laughs> it's just like Jeff I'm promoting my band on LinkedIn <laughs> yeah first of all your band's called the Sassholes why am I not part of it. Because you suck. So the, so the next level, what do you think is going to happen now? Is it just going to be Indeed forever? Who's going to eat their lunch? Is Google going to come back in and say, you know what? Oh, I figured it out this time. Well, so I think, you know, I, I'm, my, my own personal theory is um, uh, Indeed has got a bit of uh, what I call monster disease at this point. Um, so... You know, they, they sort of skated along through the 2000s without really having any brand at all. And then they dis they discovered when they started, this is my opinion anyway, they discovered when they started selling to employers that not having a brand is not a good thing. Because they not only had to explain, oh, we're using this model called pay-per-click that's totally different from everyone else, but we're Indeed. And everyone's like, Indeed what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Who are you? You know, I don't know who you are. So, you know, we saw a lot of the start of the advertising and the start of sort of the big uh, pushes. You know, I went to see a movie last weekend and what pops up first, uh, young, rising diverse voices uh, sponsored by Indeed, you know, and it's all these independent diverse filmmakers that are doing their, yeah. their films subsidized by Indeed. And I'm just like, 
Huh. This is not necessary. I mean, this is this is sort of like the you know the the Coca Cola type branding level that these guys have gone to. But you kind of have to say, is that really going to be the thing that keeps them on top? And I, I personally don't think so. Have, um, have you seen anything uh, different than the Japanese came in and took them over? Recruit. That's the name Recruit. Of the yeah. Oh. yeah. They're yeah, Japanese, yeah. though, right? Yeah. I'll let, I'll let it get out. Of okay. They, 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 yeah, they're, they're the, I forget what they are, like the 32nd largest. No, it's not. They're higher than that, like the fifth largest staffing firm in the world. Anyway, um, yes, I did. So Indeed was cranking along. But when Recruit bought them, their their expansion into international markets went up considerably. And everything went uh, faster, I would say. The growth went faster. And I started getting feedback from employers that were working with them at that point um, that, you know, Indeed's always had sort of a, in my opinion, a boiler room approach to sales. But that, that kind of went over the top. Uh, when they went into this growth phase, where it's like literally, like every time I talk to my Indeed rep, it's someone else, you know. And um, I, yeah. I never, you know, which was the criticism that always used to be made of Monster um, at the height of their, you know, corpulence <laughs> when they when they were the past and half. Let's just let's look at our little crystal ball here. What do you think is going to be the next one to eat, drink their milkshake? Um. It's probably going to be a non-U.S. company, would be my guess. Yeah, um, Australia. It might very well be Australia. It might be Seek. Seek, you know, in a lot of ways, when I think about uh, what I consider to be a smart way to run a job board business, I think they're, you know, maybe one of the smartest companies. Now they've had the good fortune to essentially be to sort of watch other people make mistakes in in sort of a you know, and they sort of had this geographically distinct market that they really totally own. But, you know, one of the things that's interesting about them is they've got this whole section that essentially just buys little chunks of other companies and invests in them and then either makes the decision to acquire or not acquire. Um, and they've been very, I think, very smart in the sense, like Indeed goes into a market and it's Indeed. Um, Seek goes into a market and they say, what's the dominant... Uh, job work here. Let's invest in them or buy them. And that, to a certain degree, gives them a much, a much stronger hold in these not, uh, non-Australian markets. Uh, now the one market where they haven't really done anything has been North America. And my guess, based on what I've seen of the way they think about things, is they're just like, you know what? There's a lot more money to be made elsewhere than trying to go in and screw around uh, doing a face-to-face to Indeed or, you know, or any of the other players that are in North America. You know, they've certainly invested in companies in North America, but um, I think, you know, it could be C. Um, it could be Stepstone. You know, there's been rumors of Stepstone doing an IPO at some point. Um, and, you know, it could be Info Edge maybe at some point. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, there's a number of global players at this point. Uh, Indeed is certainly not infallible, you know. Uh, but they've got a lot of money, and they've got a rich parent. Indeed is going to get eaten away underneath, and to a certain degree, it already has been, like all the all the big generalists, by strong niche sites that are out there that are really own a vertical. So it's like I can, you know, I can I can point out many. Uh, niche sites uh, in North America. Nice. Huh? Nice, right, exactly. Uh, you know, higher ed jobs. Um, there's just all these these niche players that they own their part of the market much more than Indeed does. That Indeed gets some business out of that part of the market, but they don't get what the, what the niche players get. So they get that from the bottom, and if you get a big enough niche, you know, Indeed has got, a, got an issue because unlike Seek, they don't necessarily have these little companies that they can say, okay, push back, take that, take that section and, and let us do what we're going to do. Um, they've got one play that they can make. And if that play doesn't work in that niche, but then from the top level, 
they, I think they will probably just be um, sort of overtaken by other boards that do a better job of addressing large segments of their audience. So like LinkedIn, I think is a very good example. LinkedIn has been on a real growth phase for a very, very, very long time. And I think when they got bought by Microsoft, that was, that was a huge boost to LinkedIn, but it was also the equivalent of when Indeed got bought by Recruit, except bigger. So, I mean, if anyone's going to knock Indeed off their perch, it's going to, I don't think it's going to be a single company. I think it'll be a yeah you know, gnawing of many piranhas. We, we create a market and we sell access to that market, right? So we have a market to job seekers. We sell it to people that want to get to them. Finding somebody that's willing to work. Right. <laughs> Anybody even want to work anymore? If there's a way that th- these people can be connected, they share the information. Uh, it's almost like ways, you know, I love Waze. I don't use a radar detector anymore. I use Waze. And I feel compelled to put the information in there that I saw a cop because I want somebody else to do the same thing for me. You know right. what I mean? And I see something building up like that where the information is shared. Carney, you're still in the working world. Do you have a thought on that? Would we think that would be a disruptor? I think, I, I think what you're asking for is how can you gamify employee referrals so that the insider can always help um, the outsider get in, right? Is that what you're sort of leaning towards? And I think I, that I think that is something, there's something there, but I, I, I feel like everyone's tried it and no one's been successful at it. Glass yeah, I was, tried it, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, so I work with a lot of startups. And I personally have worked with some startups that try to tackle that problem, but I also cover in my blog a bunch of those startups, and none of them have really succeeded uh, in any sort of large way. Some of them have succeeded in small ways, you know, like, uh, but there's just something about the, uh, trying to make the referral process work predictably and reliably that that is enough that no one can crack. And I think a lot of it boils down to uh, human behavior. Like maybe I'm, you know, maybe you've got a hundred employees and maybe I'm the one in the company that actually likes referring people. You know, it makes me feel good. Um, so you're not going to incent me, uh, you know, if, by offering a hundred dollars, because that's not what I'm doing. And then the other 99 people, if you do try to incent them with something, which is typically the way a lot of these things are done, um, it still doesn't work. <laughs> because it's because it's so it's you know, to certain it's very random. It's like, do I know someone who has a certain skill set who might fit a job that we might have open at a given time? And it's just the numbers game. And so, like, you know, if you're a huge, huge company, uh, and you know, maybe it can work in some minor way, but um, referrals are just tough because it's it's very frustrating for employers because there's such a good way to hire people. The retention levels on referrals are always much, much higher. The quality of the candidates are always much higher. Uh, and that's why I think everyone keeps going back and saying, let's gamify this, let's incent this, let's do this, let's do that. And it never seems to work well. There's a company out there called the Hunt Club in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and 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 their technology gamifies LinkedIn. So basically, you can add your LinkedIn network, and then they, if they find that candidate, they'll ask you, "Do you refer this person? Uh, do you want to, you know?" And this is what we'll pay you for if they get an interview, and this is what we'll pay you for if you get placed, right? Mm-hmm. So, they sort of got the technology there. The only part that I find struggling is they're using that to basically become a, a executive recruiting firm. Right. As opposed to taking the, I feel like they should take that technology and sell it to every internal company and say, hey, here's the technology so you can do this for your own employees and say, hey, employees, Add your LinkedIn profile, and if a recruiter finds someone in your your um, you know network that we want to hire, you got to add. Do you want to refer them? Like, are they a good candidate? Do you know that candidate? 
you know, mm-hmm. you can automate that. And then it actually becomes, it, it sort of attacks that problem because it takes away the, the effort mm-hmm. as opposed to it's more validation. I do know that person. I do recommend that person. And yes, I do agree. I'm going to get paid for that. Right. Um, it takes a lot of that haziness out of it. Personally, I think that's something, there's something there. I, I think it's just, Companies are using it for their own good rather than uh, selling the software. I, I'd personally be selling that software right and left to companies. Well, I, I do think so. Um, you know, when I think about who's in my LinkedIn network, I'd say at least half of them I've never met, right? They're people that are in the industry. Uh, they connect to me because I'm in the industry. Um, but, you know, I don't know who this person is. I, and I couldn't really refer him. I could just say, <laughs> I kind of did this the other day, you know, snag a job had a huge uh, layoff apparently. And I, and so I put out a post, someone who told me about it. So I put out a post saying, Hey, job board folks, you know, if you want to hire someone right now, it's a good time to hire people. A lot of good people are, are being laid off from snag a job. So I don't know most of the contacts I have with snag a job personally. Um, I don't have a way to personally refer them. And so that's what I was reduced to is doing that kind of promo. And yeah, I, I, I think my thing is like you could, you could use another way to validate, do you know this person or not? Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a means to make sure, cause you know, I've got, I, I've got 2,500, 3,000 uh, LinkedIn people that I've connected through some capacity, but I would say half of them, I, I don't even remember how I met him. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you, you guys have been around a while and I've been around a while. Are people bouncing around a lot more than we've seen? Or has it always been like this? Because we're, I'm getting back to the all data sucks. So you, you <laughs> LinkedIn, people buy it because people want to update their LinkedIn profile when they make a move. And that's, you know, is that the best, is that the best data that's out there? Are people bouncing around more than, than we've seen? And, and if not, is LinkedIn the best place to go to find out where somebody has moved to? People are definitely bouncing around more. I mean, the, that, that's absolutely something that I've seen just in my own personal relationships with people. But as well as the data, since the pandemic hit, there's been a lot more mobility, probably the biggest disruption I've seen in terms of people moving around since the recession 2008, 2009. Um, except I think this is bigger because you combine that with, the, with now people have had whole swaths of jobs open up that they would have never been able to consider before because they can less work remotely. So, you know, People that would not have necessarily been on the job market look and say, "Well, you know, well, what the heck, you know, uh, you know, these this company that I've always really, really liked is offering a remote job in sales. So why wouldn't I do that, you know?" Um, but also, I do think there is a age bracket. I, because of my daughter, I'm connected with a lot of millennials, right? And I also live in a college town. And my God, those millennials move on from job to job in a way that I would have never considered when I was in my late 20s, early 30s. You know, and I, I, I've worked a lot of jobs, but I would have never thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to work this job for six months. Now I'm going to work this job for nine months. Now I'm going to work this job for a year, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> no, well, I think the problem is when you're here for, when you're at a company for 17 years nowadays, Back from when, when I started in, you know, in the job force, it was always like loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is when, what I realized when you were, when I was at a company for 17 years, that was actually a huge mistake because when I went to go look for other uh, avenues, they, they saw it as uh, maybe I was complacent at the company I was. And then also your salary, you know, you get, you get caught in a, um, uh, you know, a lower salary because they have corporate restrictions on how much you can get, you know, uh, you know, raises and stuff like that, that I would almost any job seeker or any person out there right now, until that world changes, I would say you've got to almost put a timestamp on 
every three to four years, you need to go find a new job mm-hmm. so that you can get paid a market level. Um, and then also it helps. It actually looks better on your resume, which is crazy. Jeff, what can we do to plug uh, your stuff, your blog, your podcast? Tell us about your partner. Who, who do you do the podcast with since what, 2021? Yeah, well, um, so yeah, so the podcast was an outgrowth of, of the blog. So, um, you know, I, I've been doing the blog since 2009. And quite honestly, I started the blog for two reasons. I started it because um, I felt like no one was consistently writing about the job board industry in a way that I thought was decent. You know, it was like these little hit and run things that you would see. And I thought, you know, why, why didn't someone treat this seriously? And it was, it kind of bugged me because there was an, there is an association for job boards, but they weren't producing any content and they weren't producing any research. And I thought, okay, I'll do that. And the other reason is I said, you know, if I'm writing a blog, people are going to notice people like Pete and they'll say, God, that guy sounds smart. Let's hire him to consult with us, you know? And, and so that, that, that worked. And, so I've been doing that, and it continues. You know, I, I issued one today about salary transparency on job ads, and um, have gotten you know a lot of feedback from people around the world on it. And so then I said, well, and then Cheese came to me and said, you know, you should you should uh, put out the blog as a newsletter, well as well. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a good idea, and I did, and that took off. Um, and so apparently a lot of people would rather get an email than go to my site via blog. And then uh, Chad had come to me and said, you know, you should do a podcast because a lot of people like to work out and they like to listen to stuff, you know. And, and you know, after he'd bugged me for months on end, I finally did do that. And so my partner in crime on the podcast is Stephen Rothberg of College Recruiter. And I've known Stephen for a long time. He was a client as well as a friend. And he and he uh, is right up there with you, Pete, in terms of his uh, sense of humor. You know, very, very high. Really quality. bad. <laughs> really bad. Yeah. So bad. That acquired taste. Good. Acquired. Yeah, acquired taste. Yeah, that's what his wife says. So, um, but. He, and he's also very much what I call a job board geek. We're both job board geeks. We're into it. You know? And so uh, we can sit there and talk about the industry forever and ever. And so he said, you know, well, let me let me be in on this podcast. And, you know, you'll be Johnny Carson. I'll be Ed McMahon. And I thought, yeah, okay, that sounds pretty good. That's better than Chad and Cheese. So um, that's how we got started. And, uh, you know, we've been... We've uh, just closed up our 40th um, ish, um, episode. We put it out every week and um, usually try to talk to someone from the job board industry. One of my focuses is to talk to people that are doing unusual revenue models or hitting unusual audiences or you know people that have had to re- regroup a number of times. You know, like... Uh, uh, I was talking to Mac, Matt Lucas, who runs uh, Job Monkey, and you know he's he's been through every disaster you could possibly imagine running a job board. And so, you know, talking to people like that is really fun because people listen to the podcast are like, "Well, I learned something from that one. I'm not going to do what so and so did," or you know, they get ideas. So that's kind of where the podcast came from, and you know, all three of them essentially are. You know, I look at it. I, I'm a writer. I write fiction and public, and have been publishing fiction for years. Like and what? I, like what? Like what? Like short stories. Short stories. I know. Give us the titles. What's your whistle? Uh, <laughs> what's your whistle? Huh? Okay. Um, well, what was one of uh, the grains? Probably one of his uh, short stories. What your whistle, Jeff? <laughs> Jeff, give us a story. Give us a story. I'll put it right here. To okay. Look up. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a story. I've got it. It's on the internet. If you look up J.C. Dickey Chase, and you'll see my uh, my written output. But anyway, so I like to write, and you know, so that part of my my business uh, does is is a lot of fun. It's really interesting, and put me in touch with people like you, and um, the, and it also gets me a lot of business, you know, because I've got people from all over everywhere that are reading this, and then at some point the typical 
progression is I've been reading your newsletter for years and I've got this problem. So I decided to call you. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> how many years did that take? <laughs> if somebody's listening, you know, we do have two or three listeners and watchers. If they do watch this and they hear you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you, Jeff? So absolutely the best way is to go to my website, jobboarddoctor.com. There's a very prominent contact me uh, link. Um, you can also email me, the doctor at jobboarddoctor.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Jeff Dickey Chasen. But, uh, you know, just go to the website. You'll be glad you did. If you run a job board, you need to go to the website. Anyway. You'll learn something. I vouch. Carter, you vouch? <laughs> Yeah, you're on Twitter too. I think I, uh, I I'm on Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter more than I should be, but you know, Twitter. It's it's sort of like I do Twitter and I justify it for my business, but a lot of times I'm just looking at you know weird cat videos and stuff. So. Jeff right. Dickey Chasens, thank you so much for coming on the Sassholes Podcast. Our show is supported by listeners and viewers just like you. We'd like to thank the Man Farm Winalytics, Trent S. and Aaron J. for their continued support. Demandfarm.com, unlock key account growth, smart software to bring account planning and relationship intelligence into your CRM, making key account management practice data-driven, predictable, and scalable. Go to Demandfarm.com, ask for Iron Man. Hey, check out Brent Keltner's Revenue Acceleration Playbook Masterclass at Winalytics.com. In eight weeks, help your sales and go-to-market team start to build the mindset and skills needed to succeed in a new buyer environment. Sign your team up for the Masterclass today at Winalytics.com. If you'd like to help us out to improve the quality of our content, go to Patreon.com slash Sassholes. Well, you know, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. It's been entertaining. And I hope you cut out all the stuff that makes me sound dumb. So. <laughs> Dude, cut out all the stuff can. that makes Pete sound dumb. He wouldn't be on the show. That's whatever, whatever, Carney. That's where they will. I never noticed them until I got this feeling that it's later than it seems. Doctor, my to cry.